On the Empire Podcast this week, we go green as the Hulk himself, Mr. Mark Ruffalo, drops by to talk about his new film, Spotlight. Plus, there's usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that, frankly, couldn't think of anything for this bit this week. So, we're just going to leave a little bit of silence for you to fill in yourself. <clears throat> Probably long enough. Did you see the game last night? Which, which, which game? The game. Oh, sure, yeah, that one, yeah. Good game. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Love Michael Douglas. That's long enough. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the Empire Podcast. Uh, Just a few more shows until we hit episode 200. I'm very excited (gasps) about it. It's going to be it's going to be amazing. Uh, Tickets are now on sale for our live recording jamboree at the Prince Charles Cinema on February 24th. Show begins at eight thirty, giving you plenty of time to get from work to the uh, the PCC. Tickets on sale now at the Prince Charles website, PrinceCharlesCinema.com. They're ten pounds each. That's that's a bargain for what we're going to present to you on February twenty fourth. We have no idea what we're going to present to you on February twenty fourth, <laughs> but, but it's going to be awesome. It will be awesome, and it will definitely be for people at a table, uh, which is worth ten pounds of anyone's money. I would say, uh, if you're a Hollywood megastar and you want to appear on the show, do drop me a line. <laughs> Uh, subject heading cruise, I think would be a good one to start. Um, all right, this week I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. First, we have Empire's soundtrack supremo, a lady who was horrified when the composer of The Dark Knight and 12 Years a Slave was arrested for a crime he didn't commit. Yes, it was a simmer frame. No. It was. It's, it's Emma Thrower. It was Williams. Oh, Williams. Did Williams. It. <laughs> Definitely. I just oh, oh, you could see that joke I coming, know, but there was I no know. way to escape it. I know I could have I could have laughed, couldn't I? You, I just you know, yeah, I would, no, I would you did the right thing. Would I would advise it. Second but not least, you've heard her already, is our geek queen, a lady who visited New York last week and got caught in the biggest whiteout since the Oscar nominations. It's oh. a little bit of satire for you there. A little bit of pointed Yeah, take that Academy. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's Helen O'Hara. Hello. How are you? Hello, yes, I am I am back in one piece. Good. From New York, where I was indeed snowed in. You were snowed it's in, snowed but you weren't Edward Snowden, I w- the star no, of the I, subject I, of the forthcoming. I, 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 I wasn't, oh, no. I, I can't claim to have. Did you want to build a snowman? Um, I did, but it wasn't very sticky snow, so um, it, it wasn't sticking t- together well for the snowballs. Ah. Snow never bothered you anyway. <laughs> I've, I've heard. That's true. It That's was true. honestly, it was it was absolutely brilliant. And I went to see Hamilton, which um, regular listeners will know I've been wanging on about for months. So really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have I, you? I, I, I've, I've not noticed. You haven't noticed? Okay, no, no, I'm too busy right, wanging on about Event Horizon. <laughs> In the meantime, an Event Horizon musical would be amazing. Oh my goodness! Do you say? Do you say? And then everyone would go. He's got no eyes. Da, da, da. Okay. I think you just um, cast Matt Berry in the main part there. That would, mean to. that would be amazing. <laughs> Matt Berry. Helen, um, last week, mm-hmm. some very good news. You were appointed yes. Empire's editor-at-large. Yes. Now, for the yeah. folk, uh, folks at home, the folk at home, hello, uh, our <laughs> listener, what is an editor-at-large? Because I've been the editor-at-large as well, and I didn't have a clue what it was. Mm. Uh, so what is it? As I understand it, and I may not... Uh, it's a glorified freelance role. So you're still essentially a freelancer. You don't have to come into the office every day, mm-hmm. nine to five, well, mm-hmm. nine to six. Um, well, ten to six for most of you, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have to do that, uh, but I do, you know, get to hang out with you on occasion and, and say, hello, I'm from Empire. So a, a good analogy right, would be that you are like Beast in the Avengers. So... Like no, it's more it's more of a reservist. Okay, you're like Wolverine in the X Men, so or you're, like, you're or a member like Spider Man in the Avengers. Yeah, you're a member of the team. <laughs> yes, but you can come and go as you please to investigate your dark and mysterious yeah, past. Yeah, it's like I definitely have my own solo series. Yes, like, definitely. And the only question is like how often I <laughs> I drop by <laughs> the Helen Adventures. <laughs> Do you have your own post credit sting as well? Oh, it's amazing. Do you? Yeah, can't wait to see it. Oh, it's so good. Wowzers. Okay, <laughs> right. Yeah, that's my understanding as well. Weird enough, whenever I was editor-at-large, I was based in the office. Right. Uh, so I just took the job to mean that I just should get progressively larger, <laughs> which I I did with aplomb. Well, yeah, I mean, having spent an entire weekend in New York, I too have become larger <laughs> since getting the role. Uh, Clinton Street Bakery Breakfasts, highly recommended. Okay, where's that again? That's Clinton Street. Clinton Street, yes. okay. All right, this week's question comes from email. 
Uh, it's from Logan J. Nicholson, uh, who says, Hello, Pod. Uh, how rude. Uh, what is the best movie to feature no humans at all? Project X. Moving on. <laughs> <sighs> That's the best. You just said that was the best something. That's true. Mm. That is not a, a position I ever thought I'd hear you take. That is true. Wow. Okay. Sorry. I, I, oh, God. I've, yeah. I've ripped myself into a corner here. <laughs> you have. I had real trouble with this because I started thinking about things and then, like, inevitably they all had, like, a human somewhere in them. I was like, Bambi! No, wait. Yeah. Humans. Yes. Um, the Lion King, though. Lion oh, King. This... you stole mine. No, it's true. It's the right answer. I think it might be the right answer. It's animals doing Hamlet. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> To be or not to be a bee, you know. No, probably not. We miss the bees in The Lion King. Yeah, there's, there's. Um, okay, so are you saying that this, this has to be an animated movie? No, no, but it's hard to find anything that's even the animated ones are hard to find because I yeah. mean you've got the first half of Wally, well, first two thirds, I guess. Third, sure. Part of Wally doesn't have humans <laughs> in. Large stretches of Wally. Absolutely, yeah. I think Robin Hood. Robin Hood doesn't have any, but trying to think of other ones. Robin Hood, though, is cheating because they're all acting like people. Yeah. You know, but they I all talk like... animated yeah. films, so aren't they all acting slightly mm. like people? I suppose. More so, obviously, in Robin Hood, though. Yeah. Hmm. It's quite tough. I feel like we're missing, like, many exciting, you know, yeah. things. When I was looking last night, I found this really cool website, which just shows you films without people in it. But as in their films with people in, but they've taken the people out. Yeah, they've mm. just taken the scenes without people. Mm. It's really, really weird. Oh, that sounds fun. It's beautiful. It's really, really eerie. I guess there's films like The Bear. Were there people in The Bear? I can't remember. I think it may have been people free. It's a massive list of animations. You've got Cars, Cars oh, Two, yeah. Robin Hood, Dinosaur, yep. Bugs Life, Lion King. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cars. Definitely. Cars is... Chicken uh, Little. <laughs> the, the best. The, does a Dark Crystal have any humans in it? Oh, apparently Dark... See, I've, I've never seen it. But what? I found that answer yesterday. All right. So, Oh, this is interesting. So you were doing so, some research. Of course. And you came to the table with The Lion King. Well, yeah. It's, okay. again, it's animals doing Hamlet, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it is indeed animals doing Hamlet. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> with um, taking up claws against a sea of troubles. See, I was going to... Very Come on. nice, very nice. <laughs> did you say to be or not to be earlier on? I did, but yeah. we'll forget about that one. Was this that one was much the, better. You redeemed yourself. As well? It was probably with an E, yeah. Uh, I've got a good one. Yeah. I'm using Hamlet quote, but reconfigured to include animals. Oh, okay. That is incredible, Chris. And oh. I think I said that in iambic pentameter as well, which is, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. I was going to be a smart arse and say Star Wars, because technically yeah. speaking... Yeah. They're not human beings, right? Surely. They're not I mean, earthlings. Han Solo is not a Corellian, yeah. but he does say in uh, A New Hope, especially in the reconfigured one, when he meets Jabba in that dreadful added scene, mm. he goes, Jabba, you're a wonderful human being. Because, of course, Jabba was originally played by, yeah. a, uh, by a Scotsman. Uh, by a Scotsman. <laughs> Just a random Scotsman <laughs> that they had passed in the set. Hand me, booby! So, is that what Scotsman said? Hey! Huh. Bring Captain Solo to me! Oh wait, that's that's Bob and McFett. I don't know what's <laughs> happening. This is see. This, I'm blaming Emma Thrower for this question because Me? I yes. Oh uh, yeah, actually okay. Because I said, I ran this question past you guys yesterday and said, can we tackle this question? And you said, Emma Thrower, yes, I can tackle this question. I said yes. I love this cue. I think was the actual <laughs> quote. I did. I thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. I went to go home. You know, mm-hmm. did a bit of research. Okay. All right. What about March of the Penguins? Does that have humans in it? Oh. Don't get me started. Well, does the narrator count? No. Not in it, so... No, not know. on screen, because then all the animations would be out because they all have human voices. Uh, yeah. But doesn't March the Penguins, I think you see some of the documentary crew sometimes, maybe. Anyway, also, <laughs> March the Penguins <laughs> is rubbish. I won't move from this stance. You know this, Chris. I do know this, but, um, but there you go. Uh, Surf's but- up. That would be a better answer. <laughs> Surf's up we could agree on, but Surf- not March of the Penguins. Surf's up? Really? Surf's up, really? Okay. Well, well yeah, it's, it's just animated films. It's so it Jeff feels, Bridges uh, as, a, as a surfing penguin. How do, how do you not yeah. love that? This just feels a bit limited now. Anomalisa, that's coming out soon, and that, technically speaking, doesn't have any humans in it. It has humans playing puppets. The lead one, which looks scarily like Nicholas Lindhurst. <laughs> You're I, so see, right. I think it looks like Brent Spiner. Wow. 
Okay. Like no, a it's, lot it's, like Brent it's Spiner. It's Lindhurst all the way. It's I mean, Lindhurst all the way. All right, so we've, we've, we've flunked this question spectacularly. Uh, apologies. But it is, it's, it's, it's Lion King, I guess. It's a good film. But is it as good as Cars? Yes. And you have to ask yourself, is it as good we, as Cars too? Are yes. we having this conversation? Is it as good as Planes? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this, is, this has been discussed before a great length, but Cars is the freakiest Pixar film by a long stretch of the imagination. Because it's just... Either humanity is enslaved mm-hmm. or dead. Yeah. Uh, it takes place, but you imagine, many thousands of years in the future. So many unanswered questions from cars. How do they reproduce? How do they reproduce? How, How do they build do they things? Reproduce? How do they have fine motor skills? It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. Who builds the buildings in which the cars live? Mm. Who watches the watchmen? <laughs> Who cars the carsmen? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so freaky. It's so freaky. And for that reason, I'm going to stick with my original answer, which is Project X. Um, <laughs> Thanks so right. much, Chris. If you want to have a question, treat it with respect on the mm. Empire podcast, uh, then do send it in. Uh, <laughs> to another po- podcast. We apologise to Logan J. Nicholson. That wasn't good. But it's a limited, uh, limited options. Last week, by the way, uh, I said on the show that I think we pretty much covered all the films that had years in the title. I challenged the listeners to come up with something, and of course they did. 71. Mm-hmm. The Jack O'Connell movie that came out. Uh, 1492 of Conquest of Paradise. I already said it. Oh, okay. Oh, I already I said it. But 71. Yeah, that's a good film. That is a good film. It was the uh, the apostrophe that, that threw me. Oh. Um, damn apostrophes. <laughs> I love apostrophes. Yeah, you got you got to love them. Uh, I had an apostrophe catastrophe. Send in your question. We're on Twitter at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast. We are on Facebook as Empire Magazine. And you can email us as Logan Jane Nicholson did, much to his regret, podcast at empireonline.com. So what's movie news? What what's what is movie news? What is movie news? What is movie news? Well, there is one story this week. One story Eddie the this Eagle. week. No, there's, yep. there's quite a few stories, but there's one okay. story that caught my eye for reasons that will immediately become clear. <laughs> Eddie the Eagle had a, a surprise screening at Sundance. Went down very well because it's a very warm and cuddly and lovely film. And Hugh Jackman, uh, one of the stars, was there to support it and was asked about a third Wolverine film while <gasps> he was at it. Oh my god! And he said, "We have a script. We have a full script." Um, he got it two days before this day he was talking about it and uh, it's super close and his facial hair is getting towards Wolverine <laughs> levels people set your facial hair alarms to Wolverine because it is coming I don't, I don't have a facial hair alarm that doesn't exist well it, I mean maybe it should anyway so it doesn't have an official title yet it does have James Mangold back on directing duties Michael Green is writing the script there's no firm start date but it seems to be soon so Wolverine coming at you. That's 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 exciting. It's I guess. Good. That's good. Come on. It's good. No, no. Yeah, it is. Yeah, Wolverine. Woo. Okay. No, yeah, I'm excited by that. Um, it's gonna be. <laughs> it just didn't seem to. It, not not. It's not a huge advancement on what we. Well, knew. no, but Wolverine. Yeah. Wolverine. But, but facial with the vest hair. and the tags and the hair. Okay. <laughs> And the vest. And the vest. Specifically the vest. You're right, Helen. So, um, okay. Helen, you were snowed in last week. There was yeah. a lot of snow where you were in New York, but there, uh, there's also a lot of snow in Sundance. So that's where our intrepid Sundance guru, Damon Wise, is at the moment. Keeping on top of the big films to emerge from Park City, Utah. So there's lots of interesting things that are coming out of Sundance that people should be keeping an eye on, I think, over the next... Uh, well, probably t- it takes sometimes uh, almost a year for Sundance movies to mm, hit the does. UK. But uh, some very, very interesting ones. So there's yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. wait to see Birth of a Nation. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to bring it down a notch, I mean, Farty is, Daniel Radcliffe. Farty Daniel Radcliffe, which is not the name of a film, but there's a <laughs> film in which he plays a farty corpse, is that right? Swiss Army man. But Helen, tell us about Birth of a Nation. This is the Nate Parker film. He literally wrote, directs, produces stars as Nat Turner, who was a leader of one of the largest slave rebellions in 19th century America. And basically it's got, I think it sold for something like $17.5 million. They actually turned down a bigger offer from Netflix because he wanted it to go to the big screen or Amazon. I can't remember who. And it's just gotten, I think, universal praise basically at this point. It's supposed to be a very, very tough watch. They're comparing it to 12 Years a Slave and Schindler's List. So, you know, not probably your feel-good Friday night hit. But it does sound absolutely amazing. And it sounds like the 2017 Oscar race starts here, basically. So, yeah, can't wait yeah. to see that one. Yeah, that was Netflix. But that's interesting, isn't it? That's huge. They've, yeah. You know, also, going yeah. also uh, being thrust, and this is always interesting because I'm trying to think how many movies have actually emerged from Sundance in recent years to still be standing when the Oscar conversation mm. well, Boyhood would have been the first one to win uh, and Brooklyn was there last year it, I don't think it's likely to win Best Picture but it's in the mm. mix so uh, fair play 
And also, um, we should mention as well, uh, Manchester by the Sea, that's the Casey Affleck drama. And that was picked up, I believe, by Amazon. Yeah. But it's already being talked about also for, for Oscars yes. 2017, yeah. especially for Casey Affleck Casey. himself. But it's always really good to see a Kenneth Lonergan film because he doesn't make enough of them and mm. sometimes they get kind of shuffled to one side in the distribution schedule. So I'm very excited to be seeing that at some point in the future. Indeed. Ever been to Sundance? Anyone? No, sadly no. no. I've been to Utah. It's very beautiful. Really? Mm. Snowy or were you there? I was there in like September, so it was warm and sunny. Ah, okay. But some of the most incredible national parks you'll ever see. Everybody visit Utah. <laughs> Interesting. What else should we talk about? Let's talk about Harrison Ford, who is uh, has been roped in to give people a preview of Star Wars Lands, which is the big <laughs> Star Wars uh, theme park that's being developed at Disneyland and Walt Disney World Resorts, it says here. New details of the ambitious plans to bring Star Wars to life will be revealed during the wonderful world of Disney, Disneyland 60, which is airing in the States on Sunday 21st of February. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this theme park. I'm more looking forward to Harrison Ford trying to look enthusiastic about the theme park. <laughs> <laughs> that's he could gonna... be enthusiastic. Well, we don't know. Here's a... Here's a thing and... Listen, it could be that, you know, formative experiences of his life happened on the It's a Small World ride. We don't know. Mm. It could be that he is the (laughs) biggest fan of Disney parks that there is. Yeah, I reckon he loves a roller coaster. I can see him loving a roller coaster. Yeah. Unlike Fabio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wonder... Yeah. I just wonder how many people he'd like. Can you imagine them on a roller coaster pointing when the camera comes around and he's just pointing the finger angrily at the camera? That'd be amazing. Just <laughs> imagine, imagine him sitting on the cantina teacup ride. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a lovely idea. Um, also, in Harrison Ford news, there was word of Blade Runner this mm-hmm. week. The Blade Runner sequel mm-hmm. uh, is going to start shooting in July. So it's it's still still happening. It's been cooking for a while, and, and you know, it's one of those things where you kind of hope, well. That maybe that's strong, but you kind of think maybe if you ignore it, it'll go away, and 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 it hasn't. So um, why why would, you, why why would you want to ignore it? I just feel like I don't need it. Having it said has, that, it does have Denis Villeneuve. It does directing, which is exciting. Yes, Hampton Fancher and Michael Green wrote the script. Mm-hmm. I mean, I should it be has really the excited. Deeks on, on DP. Oh well, now that's interesting. You know, so it's going to look good. He's dropping yeah. his lens like a pro. I believe that's what DPs I, I, do. I don't think they drop lenses. I think that's frightening fun. <laughs> okay. Ryan so Gosling's he, he's aboard. He's in there. Well. Ryan Gosling's aboard. I, I mean, listen, uh, I've heard the script is very good. Every, I just, you know, maybe it's one of these things that when I see it, I'm going to be like, all is forgiven. This is amazing. This is better than the original. It's it's even better than the original. I just, I just don't know that I need it. But having said that, I hope for the best. So, and it, certainly, yes, you're right. All those people are pretty awesome. Some other quick bits of news to just talk about very, very quickly. Some news this week, TV news. So let's first talk about Stephen Fry joining the cast of Yonderland, the yes. brilliant Yonderland for Series 3. Uh, it's a British television show, so I'm going to call it a Series 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> very excited about that. I can't think of a better fit for that world and those characters and that saney brand of humour that the Yonderland slash Horrible History slash Bill team have. If you haven't seen Yonderland, it's a Sky show. It's Basically, Monty Python meets the Dark Crystal meets, I don't even know, it's just demented but fun and sweet. And it's about a lady who goes to a fantasy land, parallel dimension called Yonderland, and there she meets lots of weird and wonderful characters and puppets and all sorts. And it's brilliantly inventive and very, very funny. So do check that out. Stephen Fry would be a good fit. And um, also, there's a spin-off of 24 coming called 24 Legacy which won't star Kiefer Sutherland or Jack Bauer but will star Corey Hawkins who was in Straight Out of Compton Straight Out of Compton Straight He was in Straight Out of Compton Straight Out of Compton (laughs) That's how they all spoke in that film right? I believe so yeah (laughs) Straight Out of Compton so he's going to be playing a guy called Eric Carter uh, he's going to get involved Isn't in all sorts of stuff. No way. I was thinking of Eric Cartman. <laughs> different, different show. Don't worry about it. Carry on. Um, hey, also in TV news, um, there are a couple of other stories. Uh, Del Roy, Roy Lindo, speaking of spin-offs, is going to be in a spin-off from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So Marvel's Most Wanted yes. is being set up. And it already has Adrienne Palicki as Mockingbird and uh, Nick Blood as Lance Hunter. So he will be kind of leading the team as Dominic Fortune. This feels <laughs> this feels yeah. like one spin-off too far for me. I mean, it, this one 
could work because I think, listen, I think particularly Adrienne Palicki is brilliant and I think she's been kind of at the point where she should have her own TV show for quite some time. Obviously, they tried with Wonder Woman. That didn't so much with the work, but this one could be it. And, and the, the dynamic with her and him in S.H.I.E.L.D. is great. So I think adding Delroy Lindo to the mix, that's got to be a good call. Delroy Lindo's fantastic. I didn't know he was British-born. I, I found it out this week, um, which is interesting. He was in a cricket movie a few years ago. Perhaps he has a love of cricket. Don't know why I'm talking about that. But anyway, <laughs> it's, um, I worry about the proliferation of superhero shows on TV. Not that I watch them all. But you have Ace of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agent Carter, Daredevil, Jessica Jones. You've got another Daredevil coming soon, which is, you know, we're very, very excited about it. It's got, then you've got The Punisher is going to be introduced now. There's talk about a Punisher spinoff, which is great. But yep. There's Luke Cage, Luke Cage, second season of Jessica Jones has been great. And then we haven't somewhere. even talked about the DC stuff. So there's Supergirl, there's uh, The Flash, there's Arrow, there's Legends of Tomorrow, there's Gotham, which yep. is apparently is still on the air. Um, and <laughs> yeah. there's, there's tons of stuff. How... How do you have the time? Well, you just have to prioritize. Mm-hmm. So first of all, you lose Gotham, and then you lose Supergirl. And let's be you honest, we haven't. Yeah, we haven't made our mind up about Legends of Tomorrow yet. But the poster is worrying. You don't like the Supergirl? I, I'll be honest. I've only seen one episode, and I was a bit like, eh. But I might give it another chance at some point because people tell me it gets better. So we'll haven't see. started the Supergirl yet. Um, but the Agent Carter, you definitely keep. Yes, she's great, okay. and uh, you definitely keep all the Daredevils and Jessica Jones because you just watch them in a weekend, don't you? Finished Jessica Jones. What? We're just going to draw a veil over that. I got the I got the episode six, and I really like the show. I don't love the show, but I like the show. And then the must seeness just kind of faded away. You have under gone literally Master Chef, the opposite <laughs> way to everyone else in the world. But yeah. You know. Well, listen, if you can, you know, binge watch the Great British Menu, then talk to me. <laughs> no, I'm just, I just, I worry that this is going to be a bit too much. I mean, I know that Agents of Shield is has got a ever growing cast, and it's going to be tricky yeah. to keep the focus, and so perhaps to keep Adrian Palicki and Nick Blood happy, they give them their own show. But then, well, if this show does well, there'll be a spin off of that, and then another spin off. No, and, it'll be fine. You know, we'll it'll all we'll, be fine. And then by that point, we'll probably have all got our own shows because if it goes that far, <laughs> do you know what Adam McKay had a pitch about that a couple of years ago? Did he? Yeah, he seems to have abandoned it now, but he was going to make a show, a, t- a movie rather, about a world where everyone has their own cable show or cable channel. Wow. So it's like, you know, it's not just will you come over for dinner? It's like, yeah. will you come over and be on my show on Saturday and I'll come and do yours on Tuesday? His film was going to be about the cancellor because if your numbers drop below a certain level, then yeah. your show gets cancelled. So like Logan's Run, but for a TV. Yeah, kind of, I guess. It sounded really fun, but apparently uh, it's not going to happen. The Counselor. There's, there's another <laughs> another DC hero for you. <laughs> now, uh, have you guys seen Arrow and the Flash? Are meant to be good? I have seen yeah. them, and they are. They're, they're a bit up and down at times, mm-hmm. but I am I am pro Arrow and the Flash. That's good to know. I shall... <laughs> I should put those on my list. I actually, although have I do one. think I, I do think he should maybe keep a shirt on occasionally in Arrow. I think that's disgraceful. Really? Yeah, it's very. Your curious. face doesn't say it. It's disgraceful. <laughs> I, am, I am horrified. Your by face that. is fully behind. I am, this is just Stephen Amell's right. decision like to, to. I've never mentioned anything about you know shirts, so I'd like to. I think I'm doing well to at least give women. Oh, okay. On the other I'm half sorry. of the conversation, this is like the first time I've talked about shirtlessness. It's Chris who always talks about shirtlessness. <laughs> I know. I'm just trying to justify my own. In fairness, <laughs> and please put your pants back on, Chris. Come on. <laughs> it's a very warm room, Helen. Once a month, a new empire comes out as inevitable as the death of taxes. I'm not. I think what? that's the quote, Helen. Uh, so this month on the cover covers, should I say, we have Batman. First is Superman, colon, Dawn of Justice, with Batman on one cover, Superman on another cover, and then our limited edition subscribers cover. I don't know why I'm telling you this, because you, if you subscribe now, you won't get it, but uh, <laughs> you will get other awesome things down the line, is a bespoke cover drawn for us by the great Jim Lee of Batman First has seen Superman. It is gorgeous. It's it's so cool. Really beautiful. It's very, Let's very be nice. fair. And it's it's presented in pencil and ink only. It's, it's it hasn't been colorized, so it's a wonderful stark black and white image. Well, maybe not stark. He's the other universe. Uh, but <laughs> it's a lovely striking image. Striking's okay, isn't it? I There's not so. a character called 
there, I mean, there probably peak is a, a, yeah. a Pete striking somewhere, let's be honest, <laughs> at this point. He's on TV somewhere, he has his own show. What else? Well, so there's huge amounts of Batman v Superman call on Dawn of Justice coverage. There's also our coverage of High Rise, which is a film we've been very excited about for quite some time. We have The Witch in here, which is going to be one of the big horror hits, I think, of 2016. Yeah. And, and one that I'm particularly excited about is the Coen Brothers piece, where I think it was mostly Owen Williams got in touch with huge numbers of Cohen collaborators to talk about what it's actually like to work with those minds, basically. And it's uh, that's yeah. really, really fascinating. Including the likes of? Including the likes of George Clooney, including the likes of Jeff Bridges, Peter Stormare, Tilda Swinton, Josh Brolin, Billy Bob Thornton, M.M. Walsh, John Polito, Michael Badalucco, everybody. Never heard of any of them. <laughs> That's a hell of a list, isn't That's it? That's a hell of a Let's list. Let's be honest. Yep. Goodness me. Uh, we also did the big interview this month with Kate Blanchett. You may have heard of her. She's quite good. I think she may go places. Mm. No. No, you don't. You don't. No. You disagree. Doesn't ring a bell. Um, <laughs> we also have the story of Captain EO, the Michael Jackson. We do the story of Captain EO project. I'm not quite sure how to put that. And a look back at. Train spotting, but not just any look back at train spotting, Helen. A look back at train spotting written by Irvin Welsh himself. That is true. Which is uh, fantastic. Train spotting is twenty years old. Oh God! This year. Don't look at me like that. I was alive. Were you? Yeah, barely. Okay. <laughs> mm. Were you an animatronic baby crawling across the ceiling? That that was me. Okay, there you go. Train spotting, famously of course, given Tookie's Turkey by Chris Tookie of the Daily Mail at the time. Uh, <laughs> But held by everyone else as a, a classic, is given the the anniversary treatment in this month's issue. And there's tons of other things in there. There's there the are, usual yeah. usual things that you know and love. Pint of milk this month is Lily James. There's great reviews. Uh, there's all sorts of great. Things. Well, I edited the reviews this month, people. So they're going to be particularly. So you know good. they're good. Yeah. You, you know they're going to be good. We also have the first look at Tarzan, The Legend of Tarzan, which is coming out later in the year. Stanley Tucci is this month's Best Times, Worst of Times, which is where actors, writers and directors talk about the best and worst moments of their career. Oh, yes, Hell's, I did that. It was Hell's fun. Bells did that. <laughs> you spoke to the Tooch. You got the Tooch. I did. Um, <laughs> tooch me. Tooch me. Um, <laughs> I did not say that uh, no. during the conversation, just to be uh, clear. Uh, Eli Roth writes for us exclusively about the, the influences that uh, in- influenced... Cannibal Holocaust, we have a report on Eddie the Eagle uh, with Taron Egerton and Matthew Fawn and talking about that movie and Dexter Fletcher and all sorts of stuff. You know, it's a very good issue of the world's greatest movie magazine. Priced just £4.50 in all good and evil news agents, so do check it out if you can, because got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're going to finish off the news section with a sad farewell this week to the, the great Abe Figoda, who died this week at the age of 94, known I think most in this country for playing Tessio in The Godfather back in the 70s when uh, you know he he took advantage of the fact that he like many, like Max von Sydow I think looked ancient beyond his years yeah. mm. uh, so he, he's 94 now um, I'm just reading here in the uh, obituary of him that People magazine in 1982 listed him as the late Abe Vigoda in a story about Barney Miller which he was very famous for in the States and he responded with a full page advert on Friday showing him in a coffin reading the magazine <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing um, he was also in the likes of Cannibal Run too. Look Who's Talking Joe vs. Volcano and all sorts of stuff very but for me it's Tessio he's just fantastic in that movie mm. which is one of the great supporting performances in that film uh, 94 A Ripe Old Innings as yeah, they say absolutely. so Abe Vigoda who passed away this week. Okay, let's have a guest. Shall we have a guest? Let's do it. Let's have a guest. Can we have like a really awesome guest? Like, can we have one of my favourite actors today? I feel like that's overdue. And could we combine this with one of my favourite actors? Is there a way to make yeah, someone that we both person like happen? Maybe? Yeah, like someone who's like really at home in little indie movies, but mm-hmm. also is the Hulk. Oh, that's very specific. Okay, so uh, Eric Banner? <laughs> like an Eric Banner, like an Edward Norton, like one of those guys. You know? Like one of those. Like a- okay. Well, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So our guest this week is Eric Banner. Hang on, sorry. No, he's just been replaced by Edward Norton. So our guest this week is Edward Norton. No, wait a second. No, our guest this week is Mark Ruffalo. Hey! Oh, there we go. Amazing. Uh, who um, has... <laughs> 
as you can tell, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is beloved of Helen and Emma. Uh, he brings intelligence. And what Helen has insisted, I say, is a pepper-haired professorial sexiness <sighs> to roles <laughs> as diverse as super magic cop in Now You See Me. <laughs> Was that his, his yes, name? Yes, oh, okay. And super scientist man in The Avengers. Mm. And of course, you can forget him as super crusading cop in David Fincher's Zodiac. This week, he stars as a crusading journalist in Spotlight, a role for which he's been Oscar nominated. He is, of course, Mark Ruffalo, as we've already said. And we sent along our very own one man Woodward and Bernstein, Phil DeSimlian, to talk to him about uh, that movie, about the mooted Columbo reboot and all sorts. Enjoy. Thrilled and delighted to be joined by Mark Ruffalo on the Empire podcast. Thanks, a huge, a huge favourite of us at Empire. Um, thanks for taking the time. My pleasure. Um, first of all, uh, just to put this into context, you're playing Michael. I'm going to get this pronunciation of this so wrong. Resendies, yes, of the Boston Globe. That's right. Um, in the Oscar-nominated Spotlight, yes. which is a cracking piece of work. Thank you. Um, you've just received your third Oscar nomination for this, so yes. obviously congratulations. Thank you. Has does Michael? That, does that equal an Oscar when you re, when you get three Oscar nominations? Three, yeah, I think you get <laughs> to like, keep something. <laughs> that's how I think of it. Do you have? Do you have a stash of goodie bags from previous Oscars? I do. <laughs> they don't put the. They, they sort of put the rejects from all the stores in there. No. Yes, it's a little bit like that. Really? Yes. I interviewed Jennifer Lawrence once, and she told me that she won a holiday to, or was given a holiday to Belize. I didn't get that. You haven't had a holiday. Was to that Belize. for a nomination or for winning? I think it was for it. it was for Winter's Bone. Oh wow! So it was a yeah, first I think, nomination. I think as time has gone, I mean, listen, there, there's crunch. some great stuff in there. Yeah, there's there's really some great stuff in the in those things. I have a bag full of stuff that I give to people when they come to my house. Do you? So if you come around to the Ruffalo's house, you get like yeah. an Oscar, an Oscar giveaway. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, so have you had a text from from Michael himself? Because I know that you know the man pretty well now. Mike Rosendi. Yes. Oh yeah. What did yeah. he say? He's he's like my man. Congratulations, you deserve it. Um, I'm so happy. Yeah, he's become a good friend of mine. Okay. Yeah. He's, so he's quite polite on text, then not the sort of gruff. Journalist. No, 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 no. He's very polite. You sat down with him early on, yeah. and, and he's talked about this. You went to his house. Yeah. He said he, the way he depicts it. You went to his house, sat down, got an iPhone out, started recording, and just started asking him personal questions. <laughs> yes. What, how would? What was your first personal question? What kind of stuff did you want to know straight away? Uh, I wanted to. Well, I had spoken to him several times on the phone, so I, I, I and that was more about the the, the case, you yes, know, the the topic that we were talk about. But I wanted to know more about who he was, what his relationship was to Catholicism. Was he a Catholic? You know what his relationship was to the story, you know, how he got along with the other journalists. There, okay. Those were all the things. I just wanted to really get an understanding of who he was. So they weren't that personal. You weren't asking him like when he lost his virginity. Or no, 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 not like that. No, but I did ask him about his wife, which okay. he didn't want to talk about. Oh, really? You know, um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't want her to be part of the story. You know, people, people like him don't want to talk about their personal lives, no. you know? No. It's just like we don't like to talk about our personal lives that much. But it just felt so essential to the guy, you know. I I, I always I sensed there was something his attitude towards the Catholic Church, you know, his work ethic. There there was some there's a pulse inside the the writing that 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 wasn't just about the story that had a, a personal nature to it and that's what I was after and that made him uncomfortable. Journalists don't famously like talking about that they like to ask the questions. <laughs> yes, he they? likes asking the questions. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you spe- a specific question about a specific scene, the it's time sequence scene yeah. in the film it's incredibly powerful yeah um, I don't know if are you an actor that, that minds watching yourself I have a very hard time watching myself I was going to say because sometimes especially when you're Oscar nominated there's a scene that's pulled out of a film yes, and you like, go on a chat show and you see it over and you see it over and over and over again <laughs> yes do you, and, and you must start to pick up like things you know things uh, that you're not happy with how, uh, how do you feel about that scene now it's a great scene I mean that's thanks. a really powerful piece thanks. of acting thank you thanks I uh I, I can tolerate it now, uh, but but the first few times that I I see myself, I, I I only see where I where I missed the mark, you know, where I where it could have been better or more realized or fuller or you know more nuanced, have more. 
geography in it. Uh, so How do you I'm mean always by geography? working. Just the emotional geography, you know, the where it, where it goes and the imagery that's that you're working off of inside yourself, you know, that that gives it just gives it more nuance and shading and um especially in a scene like that where it just becomes so emotional so quickly, you always want to look for that kind of surprising thing, that that thing that that shifts it in a way or 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 doesn't doesn't hit it directly head on. I I don't know mm. how to talk about it really, but it's just shading, you know. How did he feel about the haircut? <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tom said to me, "He's like, buddy, you got an Oscar nomination through that haircut." He's like, "That's the real feat, man." <laughs> so if you win, you have to thank the hair. <laughs> exactly. He's like, "I can't believe you got an Oscar nomination with that haircut." <laughs> but that was Mike's haircut at the yeah. time, you know. Um, Tom McCarthy, the director, who does a great job, it, it, he's kind of an, almost an unseen hand. He's not, it's not a Tom McCarthy film in that sense. He was famously in the season five of The Wire playing right. the anti-Mike in some ways. That's right. Did, you, did that come up in conversation with him? Well, it came up in his understanding of journalism and his love for journalism. And it was informed by his work on, that, on The Wire. And I know that uh, you know, the, the creators of that show really, they're journalists and they have a they hold it in very mm-hmm. high regard and so i think tom came to this with that with that kind of attitude towards it um i was tickled to discover that michael keaton hadn't i don't think he'd birdman come out when you started working on this one it had um, oh it had come out okay yeah. did you have any conversations about you you the two of you have both done great underpants work in movies <laughs> oh really well you of course did it <laughs> yes in, and he did it in birdman he did it in birdman and <laughs> you did it in eternal sunshine and the spotless mind <laughs> yeah and yeah. um, that, I I, I that. that hadn't come up in conversation <laughs> no, that didn't come up uh, nice underwear work brother yeah i'm gonna bring that up today though when you I should see him. you should definitely mention that um, i did say to him so we we were we were her and it was really the first time that I met Michael and we were rehearsing and uh and I and I said to him, we'd we'd walked out of rehearsal. I was like, "Hey, where are you going? I'm going over here." It's about ten blocks. So he's like, "Oh, that's on my way. I'll walk you." So we start walking and yeah. I say to him, "Hey, man, um uh, you know, I've been a big fan of yours for such a long time and and this kind of renaissance that you're having is amazing. I mean, this kind of um you know, this kind of reemergence. And he said, uh, really? I didn't know I went away. <laughs> what do you say to that? I don't know. I still had nine blocks to walk with them, man. It was, it was very, I was like, no, 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 you're right. Of course. Of course. I mean, you haven't gone away at all, but I mean, you know, uh, it, was, oh. it, was a, it was a, it was a very uncomfortable moment. <laughs> he must have really, he must have known what you were driving at though. I mean, he has had, I mean, it's amazing yeah. what he's doing. And I think actors, you know, this, you kind of have these ebbs and flows, you know, these kind of mm. these moments where you're you're in your glory, kind of you're you really are like cracking, yeah. and then the moments where you're not, you know. He must. He sounds like he's got a like a contract, a line in his contract that says he has to work with people that have played the Hulk. Obviously, with Ed Norton. <laughs> oh yes, he has. So and now you. It all gets a bit meta because it, you know it, he, the Birdman's about you know having played a superhero and then discovering you reconnect with your artistic credibility and such like. But yes. you seem to have done a thing with with the Hulk where you're able to satisfy both those things. You know, so I read a description of him as like an indie, an indie Hulk. Yeah, um, that's and you're acting and you're bringing you know the, the motion capture, performance capture stuff that you've done with Andy Circus and the yeah. work as Bruce Banner. And I know you were nervous when you started the, the process. How do you feel about it now? I feel good, and I feel like we're at a little bit of an advantage with these kinds of movies than, than maybe the original Batmans. You know, we... It's 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 trying to be more nuanced. They, they're, they're using indie actors um, to, to do these movies. They, they take a lot of input from us. You know, I feel like... I love acting. I love it in all its different manifestations. It, it's like kind of another style. Like, mm. I come from the theater where you, where there is no boundaries of the kind of style you're doing. You know, one you're doing Moliere, then you're doing Chekhov, and then you're doing Arthur Miller. You know, yes. it's like in a season. Yes, and no one bats an eye. No one's <laughs> like, oh, he only does Chekhov or he only does Moliere. You know, <laughs> and, and so yeah. like that attitude is how I look at movies too. And um, 
And I just feel like those movies kind of, and people with people like Joss Whedon, mm. you can explore these characters in ways that you normally wouldn't be acceptable in that yeah. genre. And so I just think it's a different time. And I think we get, can do much more interesting things than, than they could when these things first launched. Yeah. So the, the area, but the space between an indie and a superhero movie is has become blurder. The whole, the whole. Yeah. So when I started. <laughs> when I started in this business where I actually was working, it was 97, 98, with You Could Count On Me. And at that point, an independent movie was an independent mm. movie, and a studio movie was a studio movie. And in that time, from then till now, I've just seen this kind of hybrid grow out. Studio movies are looking more like independent movies, and yeah. independent movies are looking more like studio movies. Yeah. And I think... Our cinema is better, ultimately, because of it. Well, Marvel in particular have made really interesting directorial choices. And Joss Whedon is someone that, he's just very funny. His scripts are hilarious. Yes. So that's a good starting point. Yes. Taika Waititi, who's doing Thor Ragnarok. Yes. Um, what We Do in the Shadows. Yes. Uh, I, 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 I take that. it you've seen it. Yeah, it's, of course. It's, it's amazing. Do you have a, a favourite moment at the swear wolves, not werewolves? Or? <laughs> yeah. I, I love when, they, when they're just floating, uh, you know, threatening one another. <laughs> yes. I just think that that's... It, it's it's genius. I mean, and it's so funny. I'm really excited to see what we're going to do with this. I, I, you know, there's a little bit of midnight run kind of uh, with Grodin and De Niro. Yes. They're, they, they, I feel like that's kind of where we're headed with with this relationship between Thor and Banner. It's an amazing, that's a great movie to reference. It's, it's a, and I, I think that's what we're going for. Is, is it a road movie in that sense? It, it, it is a, a universal road movie is where we're headed. You right. Know, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's because they're, it's not where you think it would be. No. And so it isn't a classic road movie, but it has the, the, that kind of structure, I think. Does Banner spend and I it? haven't read it yet, but no. this is what we're talking about. Do you, will you, will you, are you looking forward to going to Asgard, the, the, the sort of glamour heart of the MCU? Hells yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chris. Yeah. And, uh, and I, it's not an accident that we're being put together because yes. we, we have a good time together and we, we goof off. And I, know. And, and I know the fact that we're moving towards, you know, yes. this more comedic bent is, plays into kind of our relationship, you know. I interviewed the pair of you together on, on camera yes, for, for, for um, yeah, Avengers, the first yes, one. And yes. there was a lot of chat about, about donkey, donkey hoti. <laughs> the whole Hulk has a donkey, wants a donkey or a turtle. Yeah, donkey hoti. Any, any developments Odie. on the donkey front since then? <laughs> no, 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 that was, that was, that was uh, Avengers 1. No, we've moved on to other things now. It's funny because I asked you about the idea of a Hulk movie and something that um, Kevin Feige has talked about. Yeah. He's referred to, he gets asked it a lot. You get asked it a yeah. lot. Um, and you said it's something that you would be interested in doing if it you know if that's the way the universe went yeah so far no word on it no. anything changed from your point of, do you think there's still time for that for you well i don't know it depends on how old of a hulk they <laughs> want to see you know um do they want to see like the gray chest haired hulk i don't see it anytime on the on the immediate horizon i mean no one's talking about that there's uh you know there's some bright issues with the you know with the with the with that character yeah. universal owns that character so there's nothing we could really do with it anyway right so that makes it that makes a hulk movie prohibited no that makes sense <laughs> but we have a good arc that we're starting in thor 3 that will carry out all the way to um avengers 4 right uh that i've you know i think is is exciting i'm excited to to, to play it and um and i think you know with those three movies put together, it'll feel like a Hulk movie. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. So people are going to cut it together now and make a Hulk movie. That would be a great idea because there's a there is a continuity that we're looking towards oh, okay. achieving. That 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 Banner and Hulk have an arc that starts in Thor. Well, it started in Avengers one, but is carrying all the way through to uh, Avengers four. Wow, that's nice to look forward to. Well, you you and Robert Downey Jr. famously science bros. Do yes. you and Hemsworth have a have a nickname in mind? Maybe Muscle Buddies or... I don't know. <laughs> muscle that Bros. Muscle Bros. <laughs> I can only imagine what's going yeah, to come out of that. <laughs> there'll be, there'll, tomorrow there'll be a whole new meme. We'll be seeing some, some fan art yeah. coming out with me, you know, yeah, massaging Chris Hemsworth or something like that. Mark, you may want to stay off the internet for just a few months. Yes. If you can. Um, 
I've been dying to say this. Just one more thing. Yeah. Um, Columbo. Uh, Columbo. It's another project that the internet wants to make happen so badly. Yes, I know. Um, any, any advances, any more conversations? I know it was a bit of a, it came from sort of an idea on Twitter or the, yes, uh, has yeah. there ever been a serious meeting that you've had about that? That idea? Um, Gary Witta start, started this thing and uh, yeah, it's become, <laughs> it's become a Twitter sensation. Columbo is what we call it. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny, Steve Golan, uh, who produced this and produced The, the Revenant, uh, said to me the other night, you know, you, you, you could play Columbo. And I said, you know, it's funny because Gary Witta has already started an online campaign to have me play Columbo. And, he, and Steve's like, I'm going to look into the rights. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's going to happen one day. Uh, it, my dad actually out of the blue just the other day didn't know anything about this he doesn't you know he, he's not surfing the internet and um but he said to me uh he sent me a text he's like you know who you should play you should play Columbo. that's your academy award no doubt about it so he doesn't think you're gonna win for spotlight uh, probably not. <laughs> um, not when you're up against rocky that's that's a tough one you're right yeah. um Spotlight is out in cinemas this week and it's really terrific Thanks. and you are terrific in it. Thank Thanks. you so much for taking the time to chat. Great Mark. talking to you. Appreciate Thanks. it. Now, Helen, you weren't allowed into that room. <laughs> I'll be honest. And I wasn't in the room either, uh, which is a shame because I would have just asked nothing but Columbo questions. Uh, you would have you would have had minutes. to go, just one more thing. Just one more thing. Well, that was my plan. My plan was to go in, start with just one more thing. And he'd be like amiable. It would be like the traditional Columbo bad guy. Sure. Dynamic, where he'd be going, oh, <laughs> yes, I will entertain you, you you amusing strange little man. And then by the end, he's like, no, Lieutenant, oh, I should have you thrown off the force. I thought you were going to suggest that by the end he'd Hulk out. Yeah, so I thought. No, he just went British. I actually watched him in Infinitely Polar Bear on the plane. Um, so excited! Which wow, is good, yeah. On the plane, on the plane, yeah. Hasn't been out here yet. <laughs> no. um, but it was the one he was uh, Golden Globe nominated for, yeah. um, and he is very good in it. Wow, what airline? <laughs> American. Okay, so if you want to see Infinity Polar Bear, <laughs> you can. So for the, the, pri- the price of just a, an air ticket, which yeah. is about five, six hundred quid. I mean, I guess sure. Yeah, yeah. if you're if you're a Ruffalo completist, <laughs> which Helen Ruffalo- is. Ruffalo, Ruffalo, Ruffalo. Yeah, a ruffleologist. A ruffleologist. If you're a ruffleologist, then you can, like Helen is, I and mean, Helen needs just one more ruffalo to complete her set, <laughs> the actual ruffalo. Okay, so that's uh, that's shared the frivolity and talk about a very serious subject, which is Tom McCarthy's Spotlight, mm. which is Oscar-nominated, BAFTA-nominated, all sorts of things nominated. It tells the story of the true story of the investigation by the Boston Globe's crack spotlight team uh, into systematic child abuse in the Catholic Church in Boston over a period of many years this took place the investigation took place in the late 90s early 2000s and brought a lot of horrible stuff to light not just in Boston but around the world Uh, fantastic cast fantastic film I'm going to say Helen yeah it is Um, this is it's one of those films that's kind of a hard sell it sounds like it's going to be a real tough watch and in in some ways it is but at the same time I think it's ultimately very optimistic and and quite life affirming except for journalists like us because it really does make us question our life choices and wonder if we shouldn't be doing something more important anyway this is the story of the Boston Globe so as the the story begins the new editor Marty Barron who's played by Liev Schreiber has come in and is and everyone's a bit on on edge as you always are when a new editor starts. Are they going to be a complete psychopath or are they going to be Terry, who is obviously wonderful? <laughs> Hi, boss. And yeah, in this case, she's in the room at the moment, which is really weird. <laughs> in this case, it is very much more the latter. He's he's a, a seriously competent guy, and he says, "Well, hang on. There's this tiny report in this other newspaper that a lawyer for victims of clergy abuse says that the Catholic Church has been covering this up. If that's true." We need to know about it. Why aren't we on this? Why aren't we investigating this? And and basically everyone on staff is a bit sceptical. They're like, well, there's nothing there. It would have come to light. Nobody would be able to cover this up for so long. And also, this is a Catholic town. This is not something that's going to win friends and, and you know influence people around town. It's a big risk to take this on. 
He basically says, I don't care, do it. And the spotlight team get going. They're led by Michael Keaton as uh, Walter Robbie Robinson. And his team includes Rachel McAdams, Mark Ruffalo and Brian Darcy James. And they essentially go to work over quite a long period of time to gather reports from the victims, to follow the paper trail and uncover actual evidence of wrongdoing and generally try and bring the truth to light. And it's it's. Uh, you know, this is a film completely devoid of action, unless you count running for the photocopier. Literally, that's the action scene. And it's very downplayed, it's very subtle, it's a lot of people sitting in rooms with rolled up shirt sleeves beside tall stacks of paper. It's that kind of film. But if you're a fan of, you know, sort of Aaron Sorkian kind of thinky, intelligent drama of good characters doing, trying to do good work then this is absolutely one for you. It's a fantastic film in that in that sense. Agreed. Four stars for, uh, for Spotlight. Yeah, I nearly went five. Um, oh, I, you wrote, I wrote that of course review. You wrote yeah. review yes. I, I did nearly go five. I just feel like it's it might... There, there are people who aren't going to like it just because it's not going to be their sort of thing. So four felt maybe a bit more... Yeah, I would go slightly higher, personally. Yeah, no. For me, it's a, it's a five-star thing. It is such an understated film, as you said. And for a lot of people, there's no way it will scream Oscars. But I can't... I can't fault it. Mm. And yeah, the story is horrific, but the cast sort of tread that fine line of letting the subject matter do the talking. Yeah, mm. I think and, they do. Um, it's a fascinating yeah. uh, choice, I think, that McCarthy makes. Interesting enough, he played a bad journalist in yes. The Wire, season mm-hmm. five. So <laughs> is this him atoning for that? <laughs> this is, is him making it, up. Is it also him uh, atoning for The Cobbler? Because in the States <laughs> in particular, so The Cobbler is the Adam Sandler movie in which a man, a cobbler, finds that he can <laughs> literally step into people's shoes and become them. And Tom McCarthy, who's a fantastic writer-director. Yeah. So Win-Win, Station Agent, The Visitor, all sorts of films. You know, those films, great, lovely humanistic touch. Made The Cobbler, and it was a load of cobblers. And in, in the same year as, as that came out in the States, sort of spotlights, we, we have a... That's what they call a comeback. That is what they call a comeback. <laughs> That's a win-win. Uh, <laughs> so this is a, a very interesting decision to focus purely on the investigation. Yeah the insidiousness of what transpired and what was covered up gradually comes to light. We discover things as the Spotlight team discover them. There aren't scenes of evil priests being evil or the the church covering stuff up. We meet church officials and operatives throughout the film, Mm -hmm. but it's always through the Spotlight team's eyes. And it's a true ensemble piece. I would say Mm -hmm. Keaton probably has the lead, but it really is spread very very efficiently throughout the throughout the the rest of the cast yeah. uh, Ruffalo is very very good personally for me I thought Liev Schreiber was the the most impressive performance in the movie I thought he was absolutely fantastic I love uh, him in this movie a lot as as Marty Baron but the 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 conversation the Oscar conversation always seemed from the early stage to be about Ruffalo who has yeah. impressive he's very good and he has impressive scenes of grandstanding which the other ones don't yeah. really get but um, it's- I, I'm almost a little bit disappointed by the, that. I mean, I feel like this should be a shoe-in for the SAG because if you're talking about an ensemble, mm-hmm. this is the best true ensemble in years. Yeah. Um, because nobody, you know, if it doesn't feel like anybody's really grasping for the spot, the spotlight. Um, ironically, and the the only thing is, like, I do feel like Ruffalo. I think because his character is the sort of fiery, passionate one, yeah. has these slightly more grandstanding scenes, as you say. And I, I think it's almost a shame that Oscar has gone for that. It just felt like... It felt obvious. It felt like that's the one they're going to yeah. nominate. It does yeah. feel sometimes that Oscar... And you know, we can't really have an insight into the mindset of Oscar voters, but it almost does feel like they go, oh, there's no Oscar clip. There's no Oscar clip there. I mean, what are we going to show? Mm. What are we going to show when they, when he gets nominated? And, for example... Keaton doesn't really have a big moment. Uh, they have Schreiber, who plays a very, a, a very internalized man, very smart man. Uh, he doesn't have the big moment either. For example, I'm thinking of a few years ago, Robert Redford for All Is Lost. I love that film. Oh, I God, thought he yeah. was amazing in it. Yeah. yeah, there's not an Oscar. There's not an Oscar clip in that. I mean, I do feel like this is a big problem with the whole. Well, I mean, we could get into all the many, many, mm-hmm. <laughs> the many problems with the award season. But one of them is the fact that they don't reward understatement. They don't reward internality. And and I think there's something to be said for it. I mean, it's. I think it's great that, for example, Saoirse Ronan is nominated this year for Brooklyn. But I don't know if she'll get it just because, again, that's very internal and it's very understated. And you can see exactly what's going on with her character through her eyes, but it's not necessarily in her face or in her voice. Yeah, they uh, they did nominate McAdams. They did, and that... Which is, again, I don't mean to... <laughs> I keep saying I don't mean to be harsh, but that was a... Yeah, really? Yeah, she's. I mean, she's great, but but that... She is. You know, is is a very... 
which again, it's a nice thing, as we said, they don't reward subtlety. Yeah. So that's a really nice thing to yeah, see. Yeah, maybe we should be be welcoming that. Yeah, yeah we, we've taken a strange sidetrack. Uh, <laughs> we seem to be uh, lamenting the nominations of performances we really like in a film <laughs> that we really like. Uh, so we're not doing that. We're you know, very deserving uh, nominees. But I, for, for me, I think Liev Schreiber was the biggest surprise in this movie. I also want to give a shout out to poor Brian Darcy James, uh, oh. who <laughs> plays Matt Carroll, who is a integral part of the Spotlight team. He is the guy who's not famous enough to be on the poster besides all the other famous people. So you have the spotlight poster and he'll be there front and centre because he's part of the team. And the first shot of the, uh, you know, every publicity shot you see of the team, he will be there. Yeah. He's the guy with the moustache. He's a Broadway star in the States, mm-hmm. but still mm-hmm. evidently not famous enough. He's been in Hamilton. He's been in <laughs> yeah. Hamilton. Well, there you go. I rest my case. <laughs> but he's still not famous enough to be on the promotion material. So you get Ruffalo, Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Leo Schreiber, John Slattery and Stanley Tucci. But poor Brian Darcy James, there he is on the poster, all dressed up and nowhere to go. Yeah. So uh, he's very, very good in the movie and gets, yes. a, uh, gets a nice big thread in the movie as well because uh, there, there's things that hit close to home for him. So go on, go on, BDJ. <laughs> go f- go for it. Yay. Uh, also, very, very quick shout out to Spotlight is one of the front runners in the new breed of movie that has an amazing cast that have almost exclusively played superheroes as well. Yes. So... It's not just it's not just Mark Ruffalo. It's the Hulk. Yep. It's not just Michael Keaton. It's Batman. It's not just Rachel McAdams. It's whoever she's going to yeah. play in Doctor Strange because <laughs> they're not releasing the name of her character yet, which is ridiculous. It's not just the F. Schreiber. It's Sabretooth. It's not just John Slattery. It's Howard Stark. And it's not just Stanley Tucci. It's Dr. Abraham Erskine. Oh, <laughs> and this new Billy phenomenon. Crudup. Billy Crudup as well. Yeah, yes, yeah. of course. Dr. Manhattan. It's... Um, Sorry for you, Billy Crudup. <laughs> what the hell's going on? It's crazy, isn't it, actually? So there you go. For that reason, we're going to give it an extra star. Uh, five, stars stars. Oh, five, five stars for Spotlight. I was probably harsh. I should have gone five. Don't be harsh on yourself. Uh, there will be a full investigation in a few years' <laughs> <Thanks>. time. <laughs> and they can by, be harsh on me. By a team of crusading journalists, not idiots who give attack the clones five stars. Right, let's move on to something else. Four stars for Spotlight. Let's talk about... What are we going to talk about? Let's talk about Michael Bay's 13 Hours Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, uh, which is a very slash typical, but also a typical Michael Bay film. <laughs> atypical, yeah. Atypical. It's atypical. it's atypical and also atypical. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. So this is a reenactment of the attacks on the US diplomatic outpost at Benghazi in Libya. And it's told from the perspective of the the guards. Basically, there's a six-man team who are, who are meant to be guarding this outpost. And it's basically sort of their story. Now, this is a kind of dialed down... Michael Bay. I mean, by anyone else's standards, this is a huge action movie. By his standard, <laughs> it's the tiny piece he does between huge action movies. Yeah, I think he shot um, over a weekend, didn't he? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> really, he got in a really good cast. So you've got the lovely John Krasinski as our sort of focus. He's an ex-SEAL turned security officer called Jack Silva. And he's the guy who kind of arrives in Benghazi and is picked up to join this team. So we kind of see it through his eyes as the newcomer coming in. He is uh, working with Tyrone Woods, who's played by the always great James Badgedale. And the two of them are sort of settling in when basically, you know, all these militants start attacking. Now, this is a film, I think Michael Bay is trying to be a bit more thoughtful here. And, you know, like he did with uh, Pain and Gain, he's trying to tell a different kind of story in some ways. So it was used thoughtful. Words, he used words thoughtful and Pain and Gain in the same sentence. So. It was thoughtful compared to some. Anyway, but it's still so Michael Bay. So, like, unlike something like American Sniper, which I think, again, is a bit of a model for him, you don't get any of those moments of stillness to get to know these guys as characters. They are still just mostly action men and in that sense they're very convincing and in the sense of having a huge battle for basically the second half of the film it is you know if that's your thing you will enjoy this I think the problem for me and maybe this is me bringing some stuff to it that I I maybe shouldn't but this is a huge political football in the US this issue of the Benghazi attack and what happened there and by trying to ostensibly strip it of political significance and you know do the whole oh we're just focused on the men on the ground thing you can't do that it it still has all of those political overtones and everything else and so it feels like a slightly disingenuous film simply by 
by existing in the way that it does and by trying to treat these guys as as heroes without giving any context to to the wider questions around them and and the wider issues of why it happened. So, as a battle movie, as a story of tough guys being really tough and going through hell, this is very very convincing and very you know, it is compelling. I mean, mm. he he does direct action extraordinarily well. As anything else, as a character drama and certainly as a political drama, it is not so good. So, you know, this could have been a very nuanced and a very interesting and thoughtful film. Instead, it's kind of war porn, um, as Tony said in our review. So we gave it three stars and and that's probably about right, I would say. Three stars in for 13 hours, uh, which is not this actual running time. How how long is it? It's about two hours. It's about the same. Yeah, Yeah, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, otherwise known as Jim from The Office, goes to war. That's a movie you got to (laughs) watch. He he does look good with with a beard. Does he look at the camera? And and wearily. In in the middle of gunfights, does he just go, hmm? Yeah, I just did a look to camera on a on a podcast. I don't know why. <laughs> I, did. I don't know why I did that. We we prepare myself it. for the uh, the Deadpool spoiler special. I guess. <laughs> All right, so three hours in three three hours three for hours uh, thirteen stars. The, uh, <laughs> the Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. And last but not least, this week in the big reviews section, Paolo Sorrentino's Youth. And for this, we turn to our youth correspondent, the youthful <laughs> Emma Thrower. Thank you, Chris. Yes, so. The lovely Phil reviewed this for us and just taking his little opening gambit. Retired composer Fred Ballinger, Michael Caine, he was away his days in an alpine hotel in the company of a filmmaker, Harvey Keitel, a Hollywood star, Paul Dano, and Europe's wealthy. But a visit from his daughter, Rachel Weiss and the Queen's Emissary jolts him from his life of comfort. I absolutely adore this film. Oh, I wonder what you really um, know with that. I really You left a pause. <laughs> and I was just intrigued. He was like, I absolutely... And I didn't know what you were going to say next. Well, shall I tell you why? Right. Yes. Yeah, that's how we refuse work. Michael Caine is this really revered, amazing composer who's best known for his simple songs, which the main theme is actually Oscar nominated this year and is really, really beautiful. Did he write it himself? Michael Caine did not write that himself, I'm afraid. I don't write Oscar nominated scores. <laughs> I don't do it. He's out there at this lovely hotel and due to personal reasons, he's not performing anymore. But he's asked to perform for the Queen and him and Harvey Keitel, as he's battling with his demons and working out, you know, if he should do it, they sort of have this reflective journey. And it's really, really, really interesting. Really, probably the best thing Kane's done for so long. He's next level good in this film. And then Jane Fonda comes in for about five minutes and takes the whole thing to church. So (laughs) she's amazing in this. But the film... You know, as I just said, she comes in, she does this thing. You've got the really reflective thing of Keitel and Kane. So it's got a really weird mishmash of tones. It's really, really funny at times. Mm-hmm. It's also completely self-aware. And that worked for me. And there's also some little developments you don't see coming, which is obviously very welcome. But it has one of the oddest cameos of the year, which is amazing. It has one of the best costumes of the year, which is also ridiculously amazing and mm-hmm. one of the best songs of the year. But I'm not go- I don't want to spoil any of that because the best costume comes from Paul Dano and... It has to be seen to believed. And once you've seen it, you won't be able to shake it and you're going to want him to play this person very, very soon. But I just found myself so swept up in it. I think maybe being a musical person made me more fascinated and I think that does help your appreciation of the film to an extent. But I just think it's so beautiful. Some of the more unconventional strokes in there sort of cane conducts nature, which uh, sounds odd, but it's, it's quite pretty. Uh, it won't sit right with everyone, but if you indulge it and get completely on board, I think it's, I think it's really beautiful. There we go. Yeah. Now, Phil reviewed this. Yes. And he he saw it again and he regretted his star rating. This is what I was going to say, yeah. So, the Empire star rating is three. Yeah. But... It's a four. It's a four. And Phil, I was going to say, yeah, Phil saw it again. And yeah, we actually saw it together the first time, but he he was like, "I, I think I like it more now. It's grown on me. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think... It's hard to shake. And, you know, just just one more point, that some recent films, musical films like Quartet and that sort of thing, you're always building up to this big moment and you're looking forward to seeing the people play and it never, ever happens. Mm. But Kane really gets his crescendo here and that's really rewarding and I found it really, really moving. And please sit through the credits. You always should, but this time, please sit through the credits because it's such a beautiful <gasps> song. Does Nick Fury turn up at the end? I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get <laughs> too far into it, but Paul Dano may get recruited. <gasps> wow. But, um, you for know, what? wait wait, and wow. see it for yourself. The musical okay. Avengers. So either way, it's a recommendation. Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, either three or four stars. 
That seems pretty good to me. Yeah. Okay. So that is youth, and that's the the big review section <laughs> sorted out. Uh, also out this week is the Robert De Niro, Sac Efron, Aubrey Plaza comedy, Dirty Grandpa, in which Robert De Niro plays a dirty grandpa, and uh, we gave that two stars. The consensus from the rest of the internet seems to be that that might be even generous. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but there you go. Two stars for Dirty Grandpa. And also out this week is the Chilean Miners drama uh, starring Antonio Banderas and Juliette Binoche. The 33. The 33. Interesting enough, the film's not great. Two stars for the 33. But if you are an NCIS completist and, who and you isn't, want to right? know what Cote de Pablo has been up to since she left the show as <gasps> Siva. Yeah. Well, she's in the 33. Oh, my goodness. Not as Siva. That would oh, be, that would be well. awesome. Uh, if you don't know Siva. Yeah. Such a great Well, if, if, it, if it had been Siva, like, she probably would have like caused the mining disaster or something, like, in <laughs> no, pursuit of some she terrorist saved or something. And then would have come in and said something movie friendly and quippy oh, and uh, so quippy and, uh, he's such a quippy guy Gibbs would have sorted everything out Gibbs good <laughs> reference you've been listening I know uh, right okay so <laughs> two stars for the 33 two stars for Dirty Grandpa and that is it for this week's Empire Podcast join us next week for more formulated fun we'll be joined by hopefully the star of Deadpool Ryan Reynolds Ooh, um, no yes <laughs> <laughs> what the hell's going on <laughs> Stop objectifying men. What? We weren't. Oh we were just excited about Deadpool. God. Let's just hope that he doesn't break our fourth wall because we've just yeah. had it repaired. Yep. Until then, it's goodbye from Helen. Toodaloo. It's goodbye from Emma. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to find a man that Helen and Emma won't objectify. Hmm? Mm. There are I think I might have a long search. Men. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, speak for yourself. Speak okay. to the hand, sister. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.